Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 340, BGG Hotness, for September 2021. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a special episode, but especially we like to thank Igears and Tim, our new backers on our Patreon account. Thank you so much, my friends. You rock. All right, everyone, we are back. And again, as the conventions creep ever so closely to actually happening, (coughs) fingers crossed, maybe, possibly soon, we will have an explosion of brand new games out there in the market hitting the table. But of course, you do need... The inside information on the latest and greatest in board gaming. So my good friend here, Anthony, is going to bring that to you in our BG Hotness September 2021. Anthony? Yes, sir. Gonna do it. We got stuff coming up. Uh, (laughs) Every month at the end of the month, we go through what's hot on Board Game Geek. Obviously, it changes like every 24 hours. But as of right now, today, we'll tell you what the 15 hottest games are and why. So... If you I'm haven't excited. heard of it, you'll know why you're hearing about it. <laughs> so be the coolest kid on your block. Be the most fashionable person at the water cooler. And you'll have the inside information. And you could thank Anthony for all that great stuff. So uh, that will be our feature review for this week. And obviously all the other board game goodnesses that going out there. Uh, but Anthony, before we get into that, you have something for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh... I, this popped up in my feed a few days ago, and then a friend sent it to me. Um, and so I missed it during the early stages. It's been going on now for six months, but it's called the Zenobia Awards. And it is a opportunity for hobby designers, new designers, people who are getting into the hobby for the first time or developing games for the first time to submit their games um, for judgment by people who are already in, you know, within the board game industry, right? And so specifically, it's looking for historical board games from contestants in underrepresented groups. So women, people of color, LGBTQ+. Um, those are the only people, you know, those are the people that they're looking for games from. And so looking for non-traditional award, you know, historical games. We're not just your typical shooty, shooty, bang, bang war game. <laughs> that's, what most, that's what most historical games are, to be fair. Um, and so... This launched, I think, back in January. Uh, so the initial applications a long time ago. And then in March, they selected 46 proposals to advance. And then those individuals like worked on their proposals. They had mentors within the program who they worked with from within the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a board of experts that kind of came together to build this award and are, are working with everybody. Uh, and so these are designers. Uh, university professors, people who work in the industry, some media people as well. Um, uh, lots and lots of people on here that you might know, like for another show, Liz, Davids- Liz Davidson, Jeff Engelstein, designer, uh, Cole Worley, designer. So lots of people on there. And recently they announced their finalists, which is why we're talking about this right now. So from the 46 proposals, they got 37 prototypes. And then they divided those up and, and took a look at all of them. And so there are finalists available where you can take a look at these on the on the website, which is zenobiaaward.org. Um, 
and these are really interesting games, right? Because again, they were looking for games that were not your typical historical game or war game, essentially. You mean, you mean sh- shooty shooty bang bang games? Yes, sorry. Yes, I forgot that's what we got to call now. <laughs> Dude, um, technical terms, man. Technical terms. <laughs> so it, it was just cool, like reading through these and seeing like what the games actually are, right? So uh, one of the finalists, From Darkness to Light by uh, Sharia Ayawandini. And so apologies if I, if I mispronounce any of these names. But it's about Indonesia's struggle for independence. And then specifically during that time, like managing a school uh, for girls within the um within the country so you're like like it's you know, you got your big map you got your little pieces all over the board but at the end of the day you're, you're dealing with like real world issues that were a thing in the 19th and 20th century in indonesia um mm-hmm. liberation haiti from damon stone about playing as enslaved africans fighting for abolition in haiti um molly house uh which was about london's molly houses in the early 18th century um, again, like these things you just don't really hear about or read about much. And so there's eight of these in here. Uh, and so I do encourage you to go take a look because these are, hopefully we'll see some of these become real games, you know, like get, they're all pretty close. I would imagine if they were beyond the prototype stage. Um, and they haven't announced the final winner yet. I don't think, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty cool. I think the final winner is going to be announced in October. So they have a few more months to kind of work on their designs and finalize everything. But it's just a cool thing. It's kind of we've been having this conversation now for, I don't know, several years, it seems like. And we're finally starting to see some movement, thankfully, <laughs> among major designers and publishers of we need to be more thoughtful and intentional about how we represent history in games. We can't just pretend things didn't happen or misrepresent <laughs> atrocities in ways that, you know, kind of minimalize them or, or ignore them com- entirely. And there are a lot of really interesting things. I almost said cool, but they're not necessarily cool, but interesting things that have happened historically that are important to learn about. And games are a really cool way to do that. So these are all great examples of that. And uh, I think it's awesome. So if you haven't taken a look yet, check them out, keep an ear out. We'll let you all know who wins, you know, in, in case you are not super tuned into the, um, to the award circuit for uh, historical board games. But yeah, it's awesome. So kudos to everybody involved who put on the Zenobia award, who's doing all this work. Cause it looks like a lot of work and yeah. double kudos to all the designers who submitted work and especially those who are in the finalists. Excellent. Yeah. I look forward to these all hitting the hotness. And as you said, Anthony, it's, it's interesting because so much of gaming is about engaging in personas and events and activities that we would never have access to for many reasons. And that's what's wonderful about gaming, that you can do all of those things, obviously in a very abstracted way, but nonetheless, it's fun and it's a really great way to learn. And again, clearly we don't know our own history and we don't know or recognize all the amazing people that have lived and struggled and, um, by their works, we have the freedoms that we do today. And obviously, a lot of these messages and histories, you know, have gone missing. And obviously, that's a lot of the reasons why we, we continue to repeat the mistakes of the past, even though we've, we should have learned from them. So yeah, this is really exciting. I mean, I could see all of these games going up on GMT. Like this seems like You're the right. perfect 
slate of games for them. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, getting these games to the table. Because, again, uh, I, I, I mean, sure, I'm a man who likes to raise a farm 6,000 times. But every once in a while... I'm not so interested in raising the medieval farm. I want to do something no. a little different. So <laughs> right, right, please right. take me, yeah, take me to a different land, different events, and those unique individuals who have made, you know, our countries, our nations, and our humanity great. So bravo to everyone there. Uh, it's an accomplishment just getting the work done. So yeah, looking forward to seeing it. All right, so that's what's happening with us and some amazing designers out there. Let's talk about what's going on with everyone out there. Anthony, my friend, what is the question of the week? Question of the week this week. Uh, we had a nice little conversation here, but not many people actually answered this one. So <laughs> I think there's a maybe, good reason for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll get into it. Uh, the question was, what is the biggest disappointment of 2021 thus far as a game? Oh, right. come on. There, there you I go. I clarified. Now. Yeah, because... <laughs> I asked this question, I think, last year, because I usually ask this once a year, so maybe twice. And it was just people <laughs> like, COVID. I'm like, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> like, well, hold on a second. Do you ask this Do you ask this question once or twice a year? What's their biggest appointment about 2021? Because there's a lot. <laughs> right? Oh, man. Um, yeah, so I did say in terms of game releases. And so, uh, yeah, maybe people are like, I don't care about games because the rest of the world's on fire. Fair. Um, or nothing has come out this year that I can actually play. Also fair. So, uh, but we did get a few answers. So I figured we'd discuss those. Maybe some of our own. I do have one uh, that I have okay. played, that I was disappointed in. Okay. Uh, so Drew mentions the terraforming Mars big box and the inserts being particularly bad. I did hear a lot of things about this when they came in. I did not back it myself, but a lot of people were unhappy with that. Some people were very much happy with that i've seen it it's not terrible really but considering how much it costs if it's not perfect i can see being upset with it because you paid like a hundred something dollars for a box so sure it, it needs to be good and it's not great so uh i definitely see that and then there was a whole conversation from there where people were like no i love it no it's terrible these this this part of it's bad and this part of it's bad just check out the facebook page if you want to see more of what people are talking about but um yeah, it's it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we, we've talked about this months ago and actually even way back years ago when we used to do our predictions for the future about just the cost of games. And that was a very big disappointment for me. I haven't even seen a copy of it, but it was so expensive. And that game, and I don't want to lump them the two together, but that game and Everdale... When they, when they kind of like made the ultimate deluxe version of this and how Starling Games and other designers as well and publishers were going after Etsy creators, which right, I think that's like, honestly, like, what the heck? Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, there's no rhyme or reason for that. Everyone's been customizing their games and selling things for like as far back as I can even remember even as a kid. And you're t and now because you want to do it, great, you should do it. But they're not use. Look, there's a whole episode in that alone. So that was disappointing because the terraforming Mars version and the Everdale version. And I'm one of those crazy people that like, even though I could update certain games, I would say nine times out of ten, I want to have the canon 
right? The official components for that game instead of upgrading it. Cause I feel like I'm now not playing the game. I'm playing a different version of the game. So mm. I would, I'm right in that demographic of people who would got onto board game geek, find the super version or go on to Kickstarter and spend all the monies. And it's just like, these games don't live up to with like mom and pop people are crafting on their own. And I'm just like, right. <laughs> how did you like, like you could say like, look, you're diminishing our product. People are buying like, you know, lesser versions. Like granted you want your customers to buy the best. And you put these huge price tags on these deluxe versions. Like even the Catan version that was like $300 that came out recently. That's right. more or less kind of mass produced at this point. But even on Etsy, they have better, you know, upgraded components in a three hundred dollar version of Catan. That's not like have you seen? Have you seen what you could do with three hundred dollars on Etsy for Catan? It's just yeah. it's a it's <laughs> monumental. So yeah, yeah, I would I would say across the board, the production values for upgraded deluxe board games, especially that on Kickstarter, coupled with the fact that there's been oppression um, for designers to like upgrade their games. That's really been my my biggest disappointment for 2021. Yeah, across the board. I agree. Yeah, I was the same boat. Like, I love Terraforming Mars. It's still in my top 10. I still play it regularly, solo. I play it on my app all the time. And I don't like the base components. That, like, that's We've talked about this 100 times. And I still didn't back this because I was just like, man, I don't know. Dude, <laughs> like, I hate the base components. I'm on the record more than you are on yeah. that. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I have a serious issue when I'm I'm flipping through cards and it's like, you know, oh, here's a here's a random piece of artwork, you know, and here's another random photo from like, you know, just like, wow. Like, again, you yeah. could have just you could have just honestly, you could have done like <clears throat> glory to Rome, the black box version and just thrown a symbol on there. And I would have been fine. It's right. like literally like sh- someone shuffled together a prototype and like and asked you to play it like you're like, oh, OK, you made you made the effort to get stock photos. I get it. Yeah. But <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, it's it's stock photos, the board game. Uh, yeah, but it's like stock photos <laughs> from like different things. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's not, not even it's not set. even consistent. Yeah. So I'm just like, what? No. How? Where? Huh? <laughs> like, it's not good. Yeah. And it and then, you know, you know, they can do better artwork because we got okay. the Ares Expedition where the artwork's fine. It's not amazing, but it's OK. and It's consistent. Right. Yeah. Let's make another version. Whatever. Terraforming Mars. Lots of people agreed on that. Um, another one people mentioned was Rocket Men, which was a Martin Wallace game that came in on sure. uh, Kickstarter. I had heard multiple people say that that didn't really live up to what they were hoping for. Um, Kyle mentioned that one. Uh, David chimed in and said, please no one say Ankh, Gods of Egypt. Um, it's, <laughs> he's I've, David, one of the, our top fans of the show here, constantly posting on Facebook has been mentioning Ankh Gods of Egypt on almost every question. So he, he loves this game. Obviously, it just came in. I've not played it yet because I did not back it because I backed Kemet instead. Uh, we've been over this. You can only back one. That's the one I backed. It was the Gods of Egypt dictated as such. Um, for me, the biggest disappointment this year, and again, I have not played everything that came out this year because, you know, obvious reasons, but Red Rising, I was really excited about especially because mm-hmm. Jamie came out and he's like, I'm a huge fan of this IP. He tracked it down. He made it happen because he loves the books. I love the books. So I was like, Oh, cool. And then the game is not very good. I really didn't enjoy it very much. And mechanically it just, 
I don't know. It just didn't work quite as well as I would have liked. And then there's other games like Fantasy Realms that just do a little bit better. So, eh. um, that was mine. It's kind of a small one, but I was really hoping for something there. And it just, it's kind of a above average IP based game. That's basically what it turned out to be. Yeah, I think there's a, a bunch of those, I guess. And I'm trying to remember if this did, did Pendulum come out in 2021? Because I've I've lost a little bit of, of just mental time there. <laughs> no, it was last fall. Oh my god, September last year. Yeah, it's Jeez. been almost a full year since that came out. <laughs> I I I thought I'm going to stick it in there because it's 2021, and it's just like that was a game that was very disappointing because I, I I thought the theme and the artwork was fantastic, and I that was a game that I was really excited to play, and that just fell down on all the kinds of things. But again, not tremendously. Uh, surprising right because again it was one of those situations where it was like here's a bunch of sand timers in a real-time euro game it's like if you've ever played a euro game you know there's no such thing as real time (laughs) it's it's take your turn sit back and relax buddy so yeah not a surprise there but i think when when it got to my table in 2021 that was that was disappointing so yeah sadly sadly but nonetheless, yeah. All right. So that's everything that's happening with all our listeners out there. Again, if you'd like to join our question of the week and Anthony has new ones up all the time, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Of course, BoardGamersAnonymous.com has a million different places where you can find us. I was recently Googling us and we're on like crazy numbers of podcast players that I never knew that we were on. So that's pretty exciting. But by chance, if you find some place that you are in the world and you do not see Board Gamers Anonymous, please let us know. Anthony will jump on that, make sure that happens. If it's an in-person kind of showing thing, who knows? Maybe we'll show up one day and get to play some games out there with you. All right, so that's everything that's going on with everyone out in the world. Let's talk about the games that we want at the table. Anthony, let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right, yeah, so... Often acquisition disorders are games that I want to buy or back on Kickstarter. And I'm like trying to figure out if I'm going to do it. Is the game (laughs) worth it? I don't know. So I can tell you 100% certainty. I'm not buying the game about to talk about, but I do want to play it. So acquisition disorder, but not really play disorder. I don't know. Somewhere in the middle. I I had Um, that two weeks ago with descent. Yes. Because exactly what this is. It's like descent. Exactly. And the reason why, I'll tell you right now, it's Dice Realms from Thomas Lehman, Rio Grande Games. It's his new game. It's $120. It's mm-hmm. a one-hour dice game. Blech. But it is Thomas Lehman. And, you know, he's made some of the best games of all time. I have multiple of his games. I love many of them. Roll for the Galaxy is amazing. Uh, just all, all these games are fantastic. Um, even his 18xx game. I really love that. But this game seems to be specifically, and who knows if the chicken or the egg came first here, but the mechanic in Roll Through the Galaxy's second expansion, where you get to make customizable dice, it's that. But this is the the whole game, right? You're making customizable dice. So the game comes with 650 plastic die faces in 72 different types and 35 tiles and the, what the tiles are is at the beginning of the game, you're going to draw a certain number from a bag, and that's going to tell you what types of dice are available in that game because you do not have access to all 72 in a game. 
you have 10, I think. So uh, there's like five base ones and then five more that you draw. So it's highly variable. That's their whole thing. It's like there's 320,000 unique starting setups, which I do wonder, I don't know if you have any insights on this. Like, why do they think that's a selling point? Like that was like with 504 too. Like, why is it a selling point that there's 100,000 ways to play your game? All that tells me is that there's no way you've play tested all this and it's probably all over the place in terms of balance. Um, it's a dice, it's a dice game. So obviously it's not going to be inherently fully strategic. It's going to be a little random, but what are you doing? Why, 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 why is that a selling point? Um, says the I, Euro you know, gamer. I don't know. I feel like it's, it's one of those ideas with the dice and the creation of the dice that if you were not in, into board gaming, if you were an outside person, and, and not a gamer gamer, it would make all the sense in the world that you would do that, right? Like if someone said to you, what if the dice could be customizable and then you would roll them and get and get what you want? And, and that must blow people's minds who have not played games on a regular basis. Because if you play games on a regular basis, the upkeep on anything is, is problematic right. as we were just mentioning, not to mention assembling dice. And again, They've already done this in many different games and the games typically like Dice Throne or uh, I think the other one was like a circus monkey theme one where it was just like yeah. really cheap and, and kind of odd. At some point, it just breaks your mind and it breaks the mold and the cost of this game is just insane. I get it. I get why it costs so much because the customized dice and everything like that, but like you got to stop. Like we have to agree as a society that, you know, as they said, like in Jurassic park, right. Just because you can, can, doesn't mean you should. Right. And that's really what this is. And this goes back to the, the sand timer for a Euro game, you know, with pendulum, like, yeah, no, I get it. I can see it. I can imagine it, but no, (laughs) like don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy because I remember we, we had this conversation when um, the Rivalry expansion came out f- for Roll Through the Galaxy because it was 60 or $70 because yeah. of these die faces. There was a lot in that box. There's like four modules, but they're like, there's 222 custom die faces. And you're like, oh, cool, $65 for this expansion. I'm like, that's more than the base game. That's more than most games. <laughs> what are you yeah. doing? And then they're like, idea let's triple that and double the price and we'll sell you a whole game. And I don't, who knows? Maybe the game's amazing. It is Thomas Lehman. I wouldn't be surprised if I played this at some point and I was like, I love this game, but I $120 for a 45 minute dice game. There's no way. (laughs) Nope. Like Uh, I said, I know somebody who does it because it's not going to be me. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. All the no's. I don't know. It's kind of sad because, again, theoretically, it should work. Theoretically, it yeah. makes all the sense in the world. This might work, you know, in an app version, mm. right? You pay like yep. a buck or three bucks or five bucks for it, and then that kind of gives you a thing. But it really just in person, it just those things just don't work. And like you said, the expansion for Roll Through the Galaxy, I love Roll for the Galaxy. I have that expansion, and I don't play that one because, like, at some point, the game just becomes burdensome like it's it's meant to be a 
very fast and dynamic race for the galaxy. And then it becomes like, let's stop and spend 10 minutes doing these things that really don't make the game fun because again, it's a short game. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. If you do want to know more about it, they have the rules posted. There's a bunch of information about how to actually play this game. I know obviously I didn't go into that. It's simultaneously played. You all roll your dice. There's a fate die that kind of determines what happens and when it happens. And it's, it's like a lot of his games where when X happens on a turn, the game ends. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a victory point race in that way. Um, check it out. And if you know somebody who has it, let me know if it's any good because I, you know, <laughs> with COVID, I don't know when that's going to happen for me, but yeah, I that think, is dice realms. Yeah. I think our acquisition disorders are becoming something different. We might yeah. have to rename them. I have one of those, unfortunately, or fortunately, ah, depending on look at another. it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, GI Joe, the deck oh. building game, GI Joe. I used to watch that as a kid. I mean, I had a bunch of G.I. Joes. I love the IP back in the day. A deck builder for G.I. Joe makes all the sense in the world. Now, if you're not familiar with G.I. Joe, I know there's been some recent movies that have not been great. But, like, <laughs> not such a long time ago, although I guess it has been a long time ago. I mean, G.I. Joe's been around forever. But the the real kind of small plastic action figure days and the cartoons that went al along with it were kind of, like, classic... 80s perfect kind of like marketing strategy to sell stuff but the great thing about them was there was so many different characters and again it was all about selling toys but again there were so many different characters to gi joe that like anything you could possibly imagine you want ninjas we got ninjas you, you want deep sea divers we have deep sea <laughs> divers you want you know sailors you know you want uh, you know, espionage expert, like anything you could think of in the realm of like military special ops and some really crazy stuff too. I mean, really cool toys and stuff like that. So the idea of a deck builder, bravo, right? Because the idea of G.I. Joe is like literally the, the cartoon is like, oh, we have this random mission because Cobra is this terrorist organization and they have a lot of like a cast of characters. They're actually even more fun than the G.I. Joe, right? So... The idea of putting together a deck of all these random, you know, G.I. Joes or, or purchasing them from a market or recruiting them at whatever the thematic appeal is, and then putting together your team and playing that out as a deck builder, amazing, smart idea. The challenge, and the challenge here is that this is a co-op game against Cobra, and again... There's a core set that goes with this. There's going to be more missions to come. And really, it's based on taking down Cobra and these particular missions. Now, again, this theoretically should be fine, right? You can play it as a single player. If you want to play it solo, you could play up to four players. But really, what it wants, what you want to do or what you want to have happen in this kind of game is not this kind of overwrought co-op massive deck building with these missions you have to accomplish and things like that. What you really want is what fantasy flight is currently doing with Marvel. You want those hero packs. You want those icon iconic heroes that you can bring in, in order to face a certain enemy. And also you want to have, a, you want to have an opportunity to play those enemies too, you know, cause again, the Cobra faction is even more fun than the GI Joe faction. I'm sorry. Like they're, they're very cool and very fun. This yeah. is this is more than it which than it which it should be. 
it's $45 for this deck builder, which back in the day, you know, the Cerebus engine from Cryptozoic would just like pump this out for like 30 bucks, 25 bucks. And it would be a little fun romp back to an IP day. Uh, this is way too much for what it is, way too long for what it is. But I still love G.I. Joe. So, again, I'm going to be with Anthony at some game store waiting for someone to bring this out. <laughs> because I'm not dropping $45 for a deck builder that should be, again, like a half hour game instead of like just taking forever. So, yeah, All-American Hero for sure. But yeah, I think I'm gonna. I gotta. I have to wait. Until, <laughs> I have to put like, I don't know. Play maybe you know the theme out there. You know, throw some red and blue lasers or something. Um, tell people that you know knowing's half the battle, and then and and maybe I'll I'll actually pick somebody up who actually has the game and say let's play that game, and then I'll be disappointed by it. But at least I've played it because I love those guys. So yeah, GI Joe the deck building game. If you see it, let me know. Uh, if you're a big fan, you're going to play it. So just, again, let me know. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's happened with our acquisition disorders. We hope that you get the games that you're looking to hit the table. But, Anthony, now we're talking about our at the table. And we'll let everyone know if those games are by and you should run out and pick those games up. If those games are, in fact, to play and you should sit down and play them. If those games are dodge and you should avoid them. Or if those games are the dreaded burn. Because, let's be honest... There is such a thing as too much plastic, especially at a certain price tag. So, Anthony, you and I have a special, and I, I've been meaning to post some of the pictures here, but we have a special at the table because we were actually at the table together. I know. Yeah. How I still did have that happen? I, it, was, it, took, it took a lot of work. Uh, I had to move 300 miles. Um, you had to drive through a hurricane. But I we did. It happen. <laughs> We did, and, uh, and we had to we had to abide by uh, you know um, extreme COVID you know protections just in case, and uh, deal with some burning sun and some weird weather. So uh, you know that's what we do to get uh, at the table to the table. I don't know about you guys, but you know this is how we roll. What about you all? I mean, come on, we're serious, serious man. You don't I even know. know. <laughs> I have still have a sunburn. Me too. <laughs> I even have the I even have the uh, the marks from the mask. So oh my gosh, yeah. that, that's I funny. do, and I got that's, yeah. The one nice side effect of the beard, it kind of line up with each other. Very true. So Anthony, why don't you lead us off on Grand Austria Hotel, the Indeed. super deluxe version with the expansion? Let's waltz. Absolutely, yes. So we both backed this on Kickstarter. I know uh, Grand Austria Hotel. Let's waltz. Uh, yeah. I already had a copy of the base game. So I backed just the expansion and the upgrade pack. Uh, you did not have a copy of the base game, right? So you got both of them in the slipcase, right? I did. I, I And I, I'm holding it up here for those listeners who are going, why is there a pause in this stuff? But this is the <laughs> full Kickstarter, the Grand Austria Hotel with the Let's Waltz expansion and its slipcover. And it's still in plastic because I had a bit of kicknesia. Which I was just like, oh, oh, I back this. Oh my god, I back this. What was I thinking? Because I, I think unlike you, Anthony, like I, I know you're a big fan of this game. You love right. this game. I like this game, but I'm all, always troubled by this game because right. there are aspects of the game that I've always found somewhat problematic. And Grand Australia Hotel has come on sale a bunch of times. And I'm and like every time I've almost pulled the trigger, 
Obviously, these are some of our favorite designers. This is some of our favorite Euro gameplay. And I was like, ah, you know. And then when they had the Kickstarter, again, I blanked out. I must have drank too much coffee and ate too much cake from the hotel. And then somehow I backed this. And then somehow it showed up. And I was like, huh, yeah, that was a thing I did. Uh, Okay, I'm okay with this. I'm not sure if I'm okay with this. I mean, for me... And we'll, we'll talk about this more in our review. For me, I do like the game. I do. I know that there, we, we'll talk about some of the issues and if, if they were resolved. Um, but there was an issue for me as far as the employee deck, as far as the randomness, because basically, like, I would get a piece of cake from getting an employee, which was not easy to get. You had to get a card or an ability to actually get an employee. And then Anthony would get a card that would give him five points for every hotel room he closed of a certain color. So it was just like, it was really odd and random. And depending, obviously, when you pick those things up in the game, it, it became even worse. So that was my major problem with that. That the employee deck and obviously the, the set of cards, which were like, I think it was like an ABCD deck, which was like, you get this certain bonus, but now you have to play the game this way because you need the final points. You can't kind of overcome that. So I was really hoping that this game would overcome that. So let's talk about that then, Anthony. So Grand yep. Austria Hotel, yep. why, why don't you give us a little bit of a generally overview for, for people who have not played the game, just so that um, it makes a little more sense. Sure. Yeah, so Grand Austria Hotel, um, you are you know managing this hotel. You're trying to make all of your guests happy. They're coming from all over the world, and they really are coming from all over the world. You've got especially now at the expansion, you've got like the Pope's in there. You've got <laughs> celebrities from all corners of the universe, like contessas and duchesses and just anybody you could think of is in that deck. Um, and so you have your little hotel board. It has a bunch of different rooms on it. I think there's 20, 25. Uh, and there's a central board on which you're going to have these various guests, right? And so at any given time, you can bring guests into your hotel and feed them. So you can have three guests waiting at tables in your hotel at any given point in the game. And you're going to try to get food. So in the base game, there are four types of food. Uh, we'll talk in a moment about how you can add a fifth, which is neither food nor beverage. It is champagne. <laughs> but it, you just it's just a fifth type of food. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then you're trying to match those up with the guests. You complete the guests. A bunch of cool stuff happens. You get some points. Um, you have a hand of staff cards that you start the game with. These can be played based on a certain action that you take. These also let you do all sorts of cool stuff and extra points. But the ultimate goal of the game here is get guests into your hotel, close the doors on their hotel rooms. So you have to prepare the room, then you close it, and you're going to generate points based on that. This is the base game we're describing. Mm -hmm. The actual mechanics of the game, you have a board on which you're going to roll a certain number of dice based on the number of players. So we played with two. It was 10 dice. It goes up to 14 dice with four players. And then those correspond to one of six different actions. So you place like all the ones and the twos and the threes and the fours and the fives. And then when you take your turn, you pick a die up from one of those six columns. And the power of the action is the number of dice on that column. So like column one, for example, is to get, I believe, bread and coffee uh and you have to take more bread than you would take of coffee so or maybe it's bread and cake i don't remember but it's there's two different types of goods there you take those and if there is only one die there you're only getting one bread but if there's four dice there you could get four different goods of your choice where 
the first one is more than or equal to the second. Um, bunch of other little tweak rules in there too. Obviously, you can pay more money to up power up your ability. The staff cards break the rules in a hundred different ways, give you special abilities throughout the game. Um, the guest cards let you chain into other things. So maybe you can take a guest for free or play a staff card for a discount or for free. So throughout the game, you're only getting 14 official turns or actions where you take a die and do a thing. But because of the way the game is designed, you're doing like a hundred different things throughout the game, which is why I love it so much because you're just constantly doing things and chaining things into other things. That's it's a blast, right? Um, You know, balance of the deck, notwithstanding. So that's, at a very high level, what Grand Austria Hotel is. The expansion adds five new modules, so plus a solo mode. Um, We're going to talk about three of the modules that we did have a chance to play. We threw them all in there, and the solo mode, which I had a chance to play myself. And the main module, the the first expansion, the one that it's named for, is is the ballroom expansion. So the total expansion with all five modules is called Let's Waltz. It's because... Instead of sending your guests to their rooms, you can send them to the ballroom. And this is where the champagne comes in. So to send them to a ballroom, you have to pay a certain number of champagne based on where you want to send them. There are five ballroom boards. You're going to pick three of them at random and place them face up or face down. And then each of them corresponds to one of the emperor's scoring turns. So at the end of the third round, fifth round, and the seventh round, you kind of take a pause from the game and do a scoring, right? And there's a separate track in the middle of the board where if if you've played Lorenzo Il Magnifico, it's kind of like the church track where you have to reach a certain point to be able to get a certain bonus. And if you're far enough down, then you have to lose some points. So it's just like one more random thing to keep track of, right? Um, Emperor points. In this case, you also then score those ballrooms. And so each of the five scores in a different way. Like one of them is pretty simple. It's just like whoever has the most dancers here gets 10 points, right? Another one is each pair of dancers you have here is worth seven points. Another one is like take the highest level dancer you have like of the three levels and multiply times the number you have. That's how many points you get. So there's a few different ways to look at it. Um, when you send somebody to the ballroom you were going to take them off of a separate sideboard. And these are asymmetrical. So every player gets a different one. And as you take them off of there, you will unlock special bonuses. So, you know, at the very basic level, it could just be like a dollar or an extra resource. But as you get higher, it could be things like emperor points and champagne <clears throat> and opening rooms for free, which are basically free actions. If you get to that point, um, along with all this, you obviously get the new little meeples with the stickers with people dancing um stickers not a fan but you know new meeples uh we have new scoring objectives there's a whole bunch of new cards that go into the deck um both for the staff and the guests uh and new emperor scoring objectives that's module one so that kind of it's the big one it takes up the most space um but it's really the main mechanic instead of sending a guest to their room you send them to the ballroom. It just gives you another option. So we'll talk about like why that's good or not in a moment. Uh, module two is the celebrities. This introduces three colored dice to the game. So you replace the white dice with a red, yellow, and blue die. When you take a die, if you take one of those colored dice, you have to pay a little bit of extra to take that action based on how many dice are in that column. 
And then based on the die you take, you get to take one of the 12 celebrity tiles. There's three available in any given round. And this gives you some special ability for the rest of that round. So one of them might be like gain two points in a champagne every time you hire a staff member for the rest of the round. So you'd look at the three basically and say, I think I'm going to do that thing three times. So it's really worth it for me to get that celebrity. And so you do. They're also worth points. They're each worth a base of one and they become worth more points if nobody takes them. So if they're there for three rounds, they're worth four or five points. And then at that point you just take it because it's worth five points. Um, That's the module two. And so there's 12 of those celebrities. You cycle through them. You're going to see them all in a game probably. Um, Module three, we did not get a chance to play with. We really want to, but it just, we ran out of space on the table. Um, And it did recommend you don't do it on your first play because there are things on there that you wouldn't really know what you're building towards. Uh, But this is the one with the unique hotels and it has that auction mechanism that Lorenzo did where you auction how much you're going to give up at the beginning of the game to get the special abilities on whatever hotels are available. So it looks really cool. Next time we play (laughs) module four modifies the start player selection. Um, The way the game typically works is that there are a number of tiles based on the number of players. And then there's like a snake turn order. So uh, in a two player game, one person would have one, four, like turn, turn action one and action four. The other person has action two and action three, which is fine in a two player game. But in a four player game, you could have like action one and action seven or something, which stinks because it just bounces back to you and it takes forever. Um, so you go first, which is great, but then you kind of go last as well. Uh, so this kind of varies that a little bit with new tiles plus a sideboard and the skeleton key, which offers additional bonuses. We did not use that because with two players, it didn't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, and then module five just throws a whole bunch more cards into the deck. Um, these can be used with the base game or with any of the modules. So I just chucked them all in and they will stay there because I'm not sorting them out. Uh, and that's, that's the five basic modules. There was also a bunch of upgrades that came with this. So we've got new pieces for all the food. So instead of the cubes, it's actual little food meeples, I guess. Um, <laughs> Upgrades for all the cards. There are now linen cardstock. Um, there's a couple other upgrades there too, which I don't know if it's a great sign that I don't remember what they are, but uh, it's nice. It just makes everything feel a little more tactile. Just makes it like Kickstarter quality stuff. Um, got like money tracker tokens that are little safes now and a wooden round marker. It's cool. But yeah, that's kind of the, the rundown of everything we got in here. I'm going to stop mm-hmm. talking now. I'll let you say what you think because I just said a bunch of stuff. But um, like I said, we did module one, two, and then just all the extra cards. So again, my my initial, my initial complaint was the imbalance of when you draw employee cards and obviously the opening deck. I know a lot of people had a very big problem with the game because, as you mentioned, Anthony, you know, if you get four players playing the game, then you run into a situation where you're taking the first turn and then you go, you're going to have lunch and you'll be back in an hour to take your, you know, your eighth turn, which again becomes one of those situations where it's problematic above and beyond. The expansion, and we, as you said, we haven't played the unique hotels, which I'm actually really excited about to play because I like that aspect of it. But even that, I think, might only really come into major play with, like, a full player count. Just because, you know, sometimes you get, like, again, 
when you have a two-player thing, there are things that are better or worse, and you, you need to see the interactions. You see how those things kind of play out. It does not correct the problems that I had. There's no correction. There's a drafting at the beginning, which is fine because you get to draft cards. But again, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that helps. I like that. That does help. You know, you're only going to get access to the super duper card, you know, in your first hand. But I will say that indirectly, since they add so much more things to keep track of and be responsible for and ways to score points the employees were not the game breaker that they were in the base game. Right. There was just so many so many other ways to score points, so many other things to do, champagne, the celebrity guests that come into the, into the situation. Uh, there's just so much more that it does dilute. And again, you may not like that, you, again, but it does dilute the employer employee deck enough that even though I was making mistake after mistake reading these new cards and all the different things that they do, I think that you could play the game with very few employees and do very well. I feel like yeah. I think that's a good. And I think even if you I think when we do include the asymmetrical player power for the, the hotel, that might even reduce the need for employees even more. Right. Because those unique hotels are giving you a special ability and really putting you on a path which might help you draft more appropriate employees throughout the game. A lot of those employee cards, at least especially the new ones, were like if this situation occurs, which I had a couple of cards <laughs> that those situations did not occur, then right. you get to flip your card over and get the bonus. And I'm like, so I'm paying for a card that if it gives me a benefit, it's probably going to be later in the game, if not at all. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't. I don't like doing that because I want to know if I'm if I'm spending the money and the resources, and money is very hard to come by when you play this game. I want to feel like I'm getting something out of it, other than just some random kind of like trap card that just flips up and things like that. I would also like to see, and I know this is heresy in Euro gaming, but I would love to see. Maybe not necessarily attack cards, but some more interaction between players. Because other than you take things on, you know, you take a die on the board, I'd like to see something like um, maybe you take a guess from somebody else or you swap a guest or you pay resources to the other person to get a, a certain guess that you want. I'd like to see a little more interplay with the cards as far as like what other players are doing. Or maybe I see Anthony has a... Um, a red room open. I'll send my my um, my patron over there, but I get the bonus or something like that. I get the money mm -hmm. bonus or I get something because there's no interaction. You're just playing on your own and hoping that you get enough stuff to win the game, other than typical worker placement stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say the ballrooms do help with that a little bit because that is area control generally. Like, like there's a limited number of spaces in each ballroom and sure. typically the scoring is going to be based on who can get there first. So yeah, it, you are trying to like in the base game, the only interaction really is the dice, like drafting the dice and getting the guests, which is enough for plenty of people. I like it just fine, but I understand people who want more interaction be like, you just play it on your own, which you kind of are. <laughs> um, but the ballroom does add a little bit more to it. Uh, I did like that. Um, it would be interesting though to kind of mess with each other's hotels. I don't, I don't know how that would go. Uh, the one thing I will say though, 
I love this module. I thought it was great. It did add, like you said, other things to do. And I like I ignored it for the first half of the game. And then at a certain point, I realized I needed to not ignore it because of just various things I needed to accomplish, especially with the new Emperor tiles. Like I needed to have people on the ballroom so that I didn't lose points. Um, but some of the scoring cards don't really gel with each other. So we had True. like our B card was the objective card was the number of blocks of rooms that you had completed in your hotel. Right. But you're sending half of your guests to the ballroom instead of to their rooms. So you're not going to complete as many blocks. You just can't, you only have in a game, you're only going to complete so many guests, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 at the most. Yeah. So unless you're doing really cheap ones. So the result of that is like, well, this card is no one's going to get it. So we just took one scoring objective out, which I guess is even, unless someone decided to ignore the ballrooms, but then if you ignore the ballrooms and you're not getting that scoring objective, so I don't know, you might just have to seed it a little bit because if you just draw randomly from the available cards, the combination might not be great. You know, even if it's fair, it's not fun. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think if you really enjoyed putting the guests in the hotel rooms and closing those doors and making up that pattern, I think there's, there, there's a very fun element to try, not that you will, but to try to complete the hotel and really get to the higher levels here with the ballroom, again, for a number of reasons, like there were certain bonuses and certain areas that you were going to get or lose points. The hotel was not, no longer really a thing. I mean, for me, at least I don't, I mean, I got, I got a bunch of, you know, people on the bottom level, but I was like, why am I struggling to do this? when the hotel, you know, the ballroom is going to gain me points and loot or lose me some massive points. I really need to have something to offset. And it didn't seem like the, it seemed like the hotel was more, more work than it, than it needed to be. So, you know, because again, the, the hotel, you have to have the rooms open. So you have to take an action to open the rooms. Whereas the ballroom is always open. Yeah. So, I like the idea that I have a red guest and I don't have a red room available so I can send them to the ballroom, but then it it just kind of diminishes the other thing. Maybe they need to do something to make more rooms available. So maybe you draft cards and then you, other than picking the first initial couple of rooms, maybe you do something a little bit more, but yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I remember we played and I was like, I feel like I opened more rooms in the past, you know, oh, yeah. before we were at the Certainly. end of the game. And then I played solo a couple of times on Monday earlier this week. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, I close a lot more rooms. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause I just played the base game solo. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but definitely like you said, keep that in mind. If that's the thing you like about this game, this dilutes that a, a lot. It really does. Yeah. And, and, and some of that's a plus because you get to do other things, but maybe right. what they could do in the future or what I would recommend again, not being a game designer or a publisher. So therefore my, my right. <laughs> opinion is extremely valuable is since the ballroom is a shared space, and as you said, Anthony, there's area control there, why not come out with an expansion that is like, you know, literally the Grand Austria Hotel? Like come up with a, a, mm. a board, hotel board, that everyone uses with area control, like Rococo, right? Like when yeah. you put the people in certain spots and you score and then there's like bonuses. Because at this point with the ballroom, individual, we fight now more than we used to over the rooms to, to set them up and close them. So just make it a joint, make it, a, make it a hotel that we all have to fight for mm. instead of having individual boards for that, because 
I think that would work. I'm just saying. I don't know. <laughs> Someone make it and play test it and let me know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, again, we were just talking about game ideas that theoretically are perfect until you actually play them. So, right. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I know two Italian gentlemen that might be listening right now who might be all interested right, in such right. a such an idea. Hit me up. I'm just saying. Come on, guys. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to the next module then, which is much simpler because it's just yeah. like, again, the celebrities are the die. Three of the dice are now color coded. When you take one, you pay a little extra, but you get this cool bonus. I like this a lot, actually. I thought this was really cool because it's very simple. You don't have to remember any extra rules. And occasionally those celebrities, sometimes they were useless, but sometimes they were really cool. And I was able to trigger them three or four times on that round, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, I thought the celebrities were great. They were a lot of fun. And it it did get to the point where, again, I didn't, I would love to have more dice, more, more things to do. Because again, it was like, you're basically taking one of those celebrities as an action. Right. right. Maybe you get lucky and it line up so it lines up with what you want to do. But mainly, I think two or three times I was taking the celebrity because they were worth a lot of points. So like five to seven points or whatever it was, I'm like, oh, I just need to take the celebrity and then I'm not going to do the action because it doesn't really line up with that particular round. So maybe you should hold on to the celebrity. But I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked the interaction. I like all the different celebrities. I like the special abilities. They weren't difficult to get. The colored dice really adds another dynamic to the game. It was a lot of fun. Again, all of these things are a lot of brain burnery things because now you have to think about, do I want the celebrity? Can I do their action that round? Is it worth the points? Oh my dear God, I have to pay more money to get that colored die. So just like, all right, let's go back to the beginning. (laughs) Do I have the money to do the thing? Just like, (laughs) so definitely was a lot more thinking in this because there are more different paths you can go down. So you have to think through like, wait a second, I have $2 and I want to do these seven (laughs) things. Now, three of these things are going to give me money, but four of them cost money. Is this going to work? And then you're like, oh, no, you took that die anyway. So forget it. (laughs) Yeah, I did like that. That was that was my favorite uh, expansion module for this set. Yeah, absolutely. Area, yeah, area control with the the waltz thing was fine, but this was my favorite module. I would I would always play with this. Yeah, I think so too. Because it's just it's simple. It's easy to like. You're not adding a bunch of overhead for rules or teaching or anything else. It's a cool yeah. extra thing to do. It's very situational. Where you're like, you know, Einstein's very helpful for me right now because I'm going to take the action that he gives me a benefit on. Um, Yep. And they cycle through. There's only 12 of them, so you're going to see all of them probably in a game. Sure. It's got that Marco Polo kind of... Their, the Marco Polo expansion where you can get those benefits from those like travelers that you add to your board just for that one round. But you get to do more with them. But nonetheless, a really good expansion. like it. All right. So those are the three that we played. Again, the, the fifth one is just extra cards. And our review of that is, like you said... They have those trap cards. That's kind of yeah. the thing they added with the little bell symbol. Some of those are incredibly powerful. Like yeah. you had one that was like, if you meet this condition, fulfill two guests automatically for free. <laughs> like I was like, dang. Yeah, but it was you know? very situational and it cost six yeah. bucks. So it was yeah. just like, and that's the thing when you start, when you draft cards, you know, and this happens a lot with Lorenzo. When you when you play Lorenzo, you get all these really cool character cards at the beginning. You're like, 
I'm going to do all of these. And then in the end, you only do like maybe two, one, maybe two, because again, they, their requirements, their resources are so very high that it's just too hard to complete all of them. So you end up tossing them. So yeah, I think I had a pretty cool hand of cards at the end, but yeah, I did have that one. I was able to trigger it. And actually I got a guest that allowed an employee to be free. So I played that, but then I had to wait to get the bonus, which took a lot longer. And then I had to already have set up two guests that were available to, it was just like to go into the hotel. <laughs> just like, I don't know. <laughs> Why? I should have like a whiteboard behind me when I play this game. So this, therefore this, there go, ergo this. And, you know, on a blue moon. So, all right. So Anthony, that's the expansion. We've already rated this game multiple times. We talked about Grand Oster Hotel. Good game, not my favorite from these designers, but definitely solid game. The expansion definitely offers a lot more variety. Mm-hmm. None of it, at least that we've experienced, I, I, I think speaking for both of us, was bad necessarily, <laughs> although the iconography does get cumbersome and the, and the number of possible snowball combinations does get a little bit oppressive as the game goes on because like now you have the employees, now you have you still have the hotel but now you have the, the ballroom. Now you have the special. Pe- it just it, there's a lot of things to calculate. So I love it. <laughs> there you go. So is it, so solid buy for you, Anthony. I think so. Yeah. Like for me, Grand Austria was already like on the line. And when I first played it, I was like, it's a buy. And then Lorenzo came out, and I was like, maybe it's a play because Lorenzo's a buy, and they're similar in some ways. But with the expansion thrown in, I, I think it's definitely a buy for me now. Okay. This was always, and I, I would have to look back at my actual review of this. I'm not sure where it is. I think it was a light play because, again, the employee cards really just threw me and the deck at the beginning kind of threw me. And it's a good game, but these designers have designed tighter games. It definitely is a solid, solid play for me. I, 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 I'm trying to see if, if, feel my way through if there was anything negative about this game that would stop me necessarily from buying it other than the price because this Kickstarter was a little bit pricey to say the least. I think this expansion is essential. I'm going to, I'm going to go with that, Anthony. I think the game, the base, the base game is for me a play, but the, the, the expansion here is essential. So that's the highest rating for me as far as an expansion is concerned. So if you own the base game, absolutely positively buy the expansion. You will not be right. disappointed. We didn't even mention the stickers that you can make up your own cards, yes. which was a lot of That's fun. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You can make your own Bernie hanging out there. That was a fun little thing that went on with the meme for uh, you know five minutes. But this essential expansion should be part of any Grand Oster Hotel. Just keep in mind, it adds iconography complexity, at, you know, um, major brain burn. And it just dilutes the hotel, but still very much worth it. Expansion's a buy for me as well. All right. Uh, I just real quick before we wrap it up too, I did mention I wanted to run through the solo on this. It's a very simple solo deck. It's actually been on Board Game Geek for a while too. So you can go find it if you only have the base game. It's an Automa um, made by Maro, I think was their name. But anyways, they printed this as a stretch goal, as officially in the book. But there's two Automa decks that come in it, one for the base game and one that works with two of the modules. And effectively what it is, is you flip a card on the Automa's turn 
and it tells you what to do. So it's it, you're going to either you're going to take some guests, you're going to take some dice, and you're going to move up on the emperor track or play certain cards. And it takes like 30 seconds at the most to run through the Ottoman turn, and then you just get to do your own thing. So I found it to be quick, easy to learn, and a great way to play the game by myself. Um, some Automas are not like that, and they take you know a lot of overhead to keep track of the opponent. I I'm generally on record as not being a fan of that, and Automa in general has gone that direction. So I'm not huge on it, but I like this one quite a bit. So if you do get the expansion, I believe it comes with the Automa rules. If you don't, then you can download them off of Board Game Geek. They're still up here. I'm looking at it now. Um, you will have to print out a deck of cards, though. It's a deck of 20 cards. Um, and there are two decks based on which modules you're playing with. But good solo mode. I had a lot of fun with it. Highly recommended. Very cool. All right. So that's two solid buys for us. And especially for the solo, that's that's a great, great um, addition to this. Because honestly, Anthony, I haven't played this solo yet. And I'm glad you did. Because this game seems like it would be so much fun as a solo. Because you get to yeah. play through everything without completely annoying your other game gamers at the table as you're like but if i do this and this and then this and this and this if you turn it down just like yeah yeah. (laughs) well like lorenzo for example is a game that i've played by myself just multi-handed because i like going through that puzzle so i'm like give me a solo in this thing where it's no overhead and i can just do the puzzle by myself exactly yeah Absolutely. All right. Well, that is our that is our at the table. Anthony, let's get on to our feature review. Our feature review is September 2021. We are talking about the latest and greatest and the hottest on Board Game Geek. Anthony, you have your specialized list. Why don't you let us know what is hot and happening? All right. Yeah. So like I said before, we go through this once a month. What are the top 15 games in the Board Game Geek hotness? As of today, these are those. Um, number 15 is terraforming Mars. Uh, I, I do like to try to tell people why these are on here. Some games are just on here. So this month, number 15 and number 14 are just always on the list because they're very, very popular games. That's all I got for you. Terraforming Mars is amazing. If you haven't played it, check it out. Uh, number 14 is Gloomhaven. Same thing. Number one game of all time on board game geek. That's why it's here. Obviously, Isaac's in the news constantly. He's the designer and owns the company Cephalofair. They're working on Frosthaven right now. Obviously, there's a whole kerfuffle this week with uh, Broken Token, and he was at kind of the forefront of that and making sure that people understood that he was not on board. Um, So a lot of conversation happening on his board there for that as well. Number 13, however, not on the list every month, uh, Black Rose Wars. This is a... Well, it's a big box Kickstarter thing (laughs) that uh, uses miniatures, fantasy-based. So there's a lot of these games, right? But it's a little bit different. It's a competitive fantasy game. It's got deck building and combat mixed in. Um, And it's kind of like a Renaissance-era Europe type of theme. So medieval Europe, but not full medieval. So I don't know. It's interesting. Um, and it, it is on here right now. I know a lot of people are talking about it. New information coming out with, I think they're relaunching it, um, running another Kickstarter or maybe a sequel to it. It's coming to Kickstarter soon. Because this was this game came out two, two years ago. Uh, next up on the list, we have Aridia, The Paths We Dare Tread from Far Off Games. This is on Kickstarter right now. Um, it's up over a million dollars. So you can imagine what kind of game we're talking about. Open world, campaign-based, cooperative 
fantasy role-playing board game. So every game on Kickstarter <laughs> does it. Um, which this game could be amazing. I don't know. I just wish there weren't so many of these because some are amazing and some are fine. And I have no way of knowing which are which, and they all cost a ton of money. So it is difficult to know which ones to back. Um, if, if you tune into us for that, this is not the type of game that you're going to get that information <laughs> from. There are people out there who do it, though. So definitely track it down. Uh, but that's a really, I've heard a lot of good things. Uh, mm-hmm. Be interested to see it when it pops out. Uh, next up, Marvel Champions, the card game. This is in the boat of on here every month. Um, there's no new content. I think the last new content that came out was the Venom Hero Pack, which came out like four to five weeks ago. Um, all the content that was supposed to come out in August, September, I think has been delayed. So the big Thanos expansion that was supposed to be coming out like this week is now sometime next month or the month after. Um, so nothing new here, but it's a great game. So <laughs> definitely, definitely check it out. If you like deck builders, if you like Marvel, um, super tight, sleek, fun game. Uh, Imperium Classics next up from David Turchi and Nigel Buckle. Uh, this is one half of Imperium Classics slash Legends, which is the same game, but different uh, decks that you can play as. It's a one or two, well, it's, it plays one to four, but people generally agree it's one or two players is the best way to play this game. Um, and it's like a card-driven civilization game. So you just have a bunch of cards in the box, a few chits, and you are um, kind of simulating these civilizations on a very small level. The rules are a little complex. I have not had a chance to play it yet, but maybe next time one of us braves a hurricane, we'll uh, get a chance to get this to the table. Uh, Next up is Flamecraft. This is on Kickstarter right now, and it is blowing up. So it's 1.2 million. And uh, I believe the only game that the designer of this has previously done is Sparkle Kitty, which I know is very popular. Um, this is from Breaking Games. We had a chance to see it, I think, the year it came out. We did. Like we had a we <laughs> checking that out, like, huh, Sparkle Kitty. Um, it's cute, it's fun, it's silly. Flamecraft seems to be just going with the cute and wholesome side of that. So less silly, more cute and wholesome. Beautiful artwork. Uh, just it looks like it's straight out of an RPG or a storybook. And you are little artisan dragons making things and, and selling things uh, in this marketplace. So looks fun uh next up we have the great wall this is the euro game from awaken realms who is the publisher best known for all of their big box massive miniature crazy co-op games uh nemesis i think is their top rated game and the great wall is an asymmetrical worker placement game Um, i actually backed this one because mechanically it seemed very interesting and um, you had an option to get the miniatures or get i think just meeples. I went with the meeples because if you're going to give me a euro, I want the meeples. Um, and they are working on getting this fulfilled at the moment. So I think people in Europe are getting their copies, which is why we're seeing it pop up here. Nice. Next up, Lost Ruins of Arnok, which is kind of becoming one of these games that's on here every week and every month. Um, I don't think there's any new news for this game. There is an expansion that was announced about a month ago that is on its way um, around Essen time. So hopefully I can find a copy overseas or something. I don't know. <laughs> Love this game. My One of my favorite games from last year, hands down. Uh, Dune Imperium. 
Um, this is the deck building game from Direwolf Games based on Dune, uh, using artwork based on the upcoming movie that comes out in a couple months. Uh, decent game. I, I've still not had a chance to play it with like a larger group of people. I know you did. You talked about it recently and made me jealous because I, I do want to play with more people because at low player counts, I'm just like, I don't think it works very well. But, uh, they say one to four, but I think it's probably a three to four player game. All right, Ankh, Gods of Egypt. Uh, we know this one shipped out because we've had listeners telling us all about it. Again, neither of us has this game, which feels like an oversight. One of us should have gotten Kemet, but I didn't know I was moving. So <laughs> we the, the, the rule is you can only own one of these. I know. That's what I tell myself so I can sleep at night. So <laughs> we had to make a choice. And again, this goes back at the smallest tangent possible. This is the problem with Kickstarter, where they make you buy literally everything that comes with the game all at once without ever playing the game. Now, I've heard this is good, which I'm going to pretend I did not hear that because <laughs> I own Kemet, but it's a, such a massive investment. I really wish that they would just do the base game, give everyone a chance to play it, and then come back with everything else because that would be reasonable. <laughs> I just feel like that'd be right? reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sleeping well because I'm looking at Board Game Geek and it's telling me it plays best at four. I'm like, well, I don't have four players, so I couldn't even play this game. So who cares, right? Yeah, That's you need that. Myself. You need that co-op element at the end, which I don't think everyone's keen on. But they're right. still saying it's a good game. But again, I don't think there would ever be a time. And again, the, the games are fundamentally different as as far as mechanics are concerned. But I don't ever see myself owning Kemet and Ankh. And getting both of those to the table. I just don't. Right. It's yeah. just, yeah. I mean, I mean, Blood Rage is always going to get to the table. And it's right. different enough from, you know, the other two. This, I'm just like, uh, it's kind of more of the same. And you do get that pushback. I mean, there is there is a level of social capital in gaming that you have as far as what you can get to the table with your friends or your game group. And I feel like this actually might be a Nile river too far. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. just can't, just can't <laughs> yeah. do it. You know, I think if I had liked rising sun more, I would have backed this anyways and broken sure. my own rule, but I really didn't like rising sun very much. I've played it did. two or three times yeah. now. I've never played my copy and I spent a ton of money on that. So I'm just like, maybe I'll just not with this one. And hopefully when I do eventually play it, I don't love it because that would be annoying. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'll trade somebody my rising sun. Like, you want this? I got all the stuff for this. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up at number four on the list is Cascadia from flat out games. Randy Flynn, this game, I talked about, this is my acquisition disorder when it was on Kickstarter. Uh, it's a puzzle tile laying game uh, and token drafting, but it's based on like the habitats and wildlife of the Pacific Northwest, which is where I grew up. So it's got the mountains from like, where I was went to school, like I'll, I, I love it. It's it's beautiful. Um, I don't have my copy yet, but I'm very excited about it because it is very much. There aren't a lot of games about the Pacific Northwest, really. It's it's kind of weird. Like there's a lot of games about different cities and a lot of games about Europe. <laughs> like, but um, you get to like more remote areas of the United States, and you don't have as many games to kind of focus in on those things um, thematically. So happy to have anything that reminds me of home and it's shipping now that's why it's on here uh number three uh 
again, you talked about this last week, I think. Descent Legends of the Dark. Of yeah. course, it's up here because it's the new Fantasy Flight game and people are talking at the storm about this thing because it's expensive. That's all I know about it. It's expensive. Yeah. Uh, it's fine by all accounts. People, they're like, it's, it's people who love this stuff. They love it. People who are on the fence, like, it's fine. So I don't know. Uh, glad I didn't buy it. Number two, my most anticipated right now uh, of next year, I guess, because it's probably when it's going to come out, is Weather Machine with Helicerda's new game. Mm-hmm. This was, uh, I believe, your uh, acquisition disorder last week, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, so new Vitalicerda game. It's a hilarious, goofy, weird, off-the-cuff theme. It's something different, right? It's it's out of left field, and it gives Ian O'Toole a chance to go crazy with the artwork. So as soon as I... I was already going to back this, but as soon as I saw the cover, I'm like, oh, yes, (laughs) this is happening. And then number one right now on the list is a game that kind of just popped up here not too long ago, uh, Regicide. This is a card game that came out last year and in it you are working together um it's a cooperative game so you work together with a standard deck of cards to defeat 12 enemies that kind of come out um throughout the game so on i guess i don't need to run through the rules or anything but it is a game i hadn't heard of until i got through here and i think it was on kickstarter did back at some point and people shipped out but the reviews are several months old. So I think what happened here is that it's been talked about recently on um, a couple podcasts, maybe with like larger audiences. Uh, I, I feel like I might have even heard this on a video game podcast where they just happen to be talking about this game unrelated to everything else. So that happens sometimes. And then we get to this point where we're looking at the BGG hotness and I'm like, I don't really know why it's here, especially number one. I don't know, especially right before a convention. But um, it looks interesting. It's like a small deck of cards. You're working cooperatively together to kind of overcome um, these various kings you're trying to kill. So I don't know. Small deck card game. Give it a shot. <laughs> uh, and there you have it. That is the BGG hotness for September as of August 27th. <laughs> All right. So join us, if you will, next week as we dive into the latest and greatest in board gaming. But until next time, this is Chris. Hey, this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Stay safe.